0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We're going to start tonight with a warning right off the top about our first story. The video might be disturbing for some viewers.
2: Burnaby RCMP confirmed they are investigating the brutal beating of a woman in an elevator caught on security video and posted on social media. Grace Key joins us live in Burnaby with the details on this. Grace.
3: Yeah, it just happened in one of the condos behind me here, just on uh, Nelson Avenue in Imperial Street in Burnaby. It unfolded about Saturday, 2 o'clock in the morning. And just wanted to repeat that the video is extremely disturbing for the folks at home who are going to be watching it. It does show a man who does uh, punch a woman repeatedly. So it was posted online. Now, you do see uh, initially the man and the woman talking, and then the man suddenly punching the woman. He continues to hit and kick her as she falls to the ground. He then runs off with what appears to be her cell phone. Now, the fi- the victim did allege that it was an unknown male who entered the elevator and then assaulted her. After an investigation, police did determine they believe that the two did know one another, though, for a short uh, period of time prior to the assault, and that they did spend some time in a suite in the building. Now, the nature of that particular con- is still under investigation and may have been a factor in the alleged assault. The victim did have minor injuries and was treated in hospital. We do have a description of the suspect. He's Asian, 5 feet 10 inches tall, slim build, he had black hair, he was wearing a black jacket, black pants, red and black shoes and he was last seen uh, just heading north on Nelson. So again, If you think you recognize this person, know anything about this incident, you are being asked to call Burnaby, our CMP. Pretty disturbing video. All right. Thanks for that, Grace.
1: Well, nerves are more than a little rattled tonight in the greater Victoria area after two serious assaults on women within hours of each other. One victim attacked in a park, the other in her own home. Kylie Stanton has the latest.
4: In this apartment building, one woman's worst nightmare became a reality. She awoke to find a man had broken in and proceeded to sexually assault her. It happened around 1 o'clock Saturday morning in the 800 block of Ellery Street. The woman was able to get away, suffering non-life-threatening injuries. Police were called to investigate leaving this note to warn others in the building's elevator. Definitely, they scary. But at roughly the same time in nearby Saanich, a second assault. This time in Rudd Park, where the victim was accosted, but able to scare the suspect off.
0: It's definitely disturbing. Um, not something that I, I want to hear going on around here. Um, hopefully they can get to the bottom of uh, what happened and... Uh, figure out who was doing it.
4: Neither the Saanich or Victoria Police Departments were willing to comment on camera today, but Saanich PD did say its patrol division is actively investigating its file, the Rudd Park incident. And although officers are aware of what happened in Esquimalt, at this point they say there is no connection. Still, the public is being asked to remain aware of their surroundings and stay safe. Definitely follow your gut. I know for me that's really important. I'm very aware of who's around me all the time. Um, feel free to look people in the eye. And give a give a nod or a smile. That really disarms a lot of people, and lets um, perpetrators, if they are out there watching you, know that you are actually keeping a close eye.
5: Designed with your security in mind.
4: Personal Contact. safety apps like Protect system. go a step further. A communication system that can alert friends and family if help is needed. It even has an SOS button in case of emergency. Open the app by swiping up and there's a big help button. And you'd be amazed how many people actually glance down and look at it and kind of give you a little bit of a look. You know, nobody's going to mess with you if you actually arm yourself with the proper tools. Police are still investigating both incidents. Anyone with information is being asked to come forward.
2: Well, while the Massey tunnel replacement is now officially stalled, it is still full steam ahead for the new Patella Bridge. Our Keith Baldry broke the details about the Massey project last night. Joins us now from Victoria with a look at the politics two projects, Keith, and it looks like people who want a new Massey Tunnel, uh, Massey Crossing, rather, just didn't vote the right way.
6: (laughs) Well, you know, it fits the long-running theme of blacktop politics in B.C., a series, a succession of various governments of all political stripes have shown a penchant for building bridges and and trains and uh, uh, railways and uh, and tunnels and such in ridings and areas in which their voters actually reside. NDP is not the first government to do that. And to emphasize, I want to show you some elect maps uh, that explains uh, the point here. First of all, take a look at this. The Massey Tunnel uh, uh, right now is located in an uh, area surrounded by liberal red ridings. There's Richmond and Delta South. So the, the, very much the liberals were interested in building that riding, or that, that project, because it was in an area that they secured electorally. Now flip it over to the Patello Bridge, and we're going to see the exact same situation in reverse. The Patello Bridge right now, of course, ground zero for NDP electoral strength, surrounded by orange orange ridings. Those are all NDP writings. Really, that was the key for the NDP winning the election, Sophie, was running the table in the suburbs, suburbs very much uh, because the Patello Bridge, very much one of their top priorities. That's why the Patello Bridge is going first. And that's why I think you're seeing a big delay in answering the question of what to replace the Massey Tunnel with. It's a blacktop politics. We've seen it for decades. And we're seeing it on display now. BC Politics at work. Thanks very much, Keith.
1: Yet another wind warning in effect tonight for southwestern B.C. Christy Gordon joins us early tonight with some of the details. And Christy, this system setting up a little different from the storm that we were really worried about last Friday.
7: Yes, that's exactly right, Chris. So today we have high confidence parts of the lower mainland will see power outages. And the reason is the cold front is going to cross the south coast this evening. And that will affect a much larger region as it passes versus the very small, more intense low-pressure centre we were expecting this past Friday. And it drops south of our area as they can, and much of the lower mainland was spared. So today's warning is in effect for all coastal regions of the south coast. Now, the strongest winds for the lower mainland will likely occur along the water and then south of the Fraser, from Tawasson out towards Abbotsford. Now, in general, the lower mainland, we're expecting gusts to about 70 kilometers an hour, but more exposed regions have the potential of seeing even stronger gusts, and this will likely occur between about 5 and 10 p.m., so starting now
1: through to 10 tonight. All right. Uh, we've all been warned. Thanks very much, Christine. We'll check in a little bit later on as well. All right. Even for Metro Vancouver drivers accustomed to roller coaster gas prices, the past few days have been particularly crazy. Prices jumped as much as 17 cents a liter over the weekend to near record levels. Jennifer Palmer tells us what's fueling the skyrocketing prices and what we can expect in the coming days.
8: It's a bit of nostalgia drivers could do without. It's been 10 years since we've
4: seen a spike like this at the pumps. It was 128.9. Then yesterday it was 143, 137. It's a forever thing, guys. Yeah? Gotta get used to it. It's crazy.
8: I, I don't know. They said that it'll only be for a few days, though. So, why the 17 cent a liter price jump? Turns out it was two things bad weather in the Pacific Northwest, making it hard to move fuel to market, and a longer than expected shutdown of the Olympic pipeline.
9: It was to go through some maintenance on uh, uh, Tuesday to Wednesday. They discovered a far bigger problem, and of course, shut the entire system down. This is not a speculation move. This is a physical move. Traders are short of gasoline, and that's why prices uh, shot up an average of seventeen cents a liter on the wholesale side since Thursday.
8: It's a bitter pill to take. Across the rest of Canada, prices are averaging a dollar six to below a dollar a liter. Santa, though, may deliver an early present for drivers. By Christmas Eve, prices could drop to $1.40 or lower. Jennifer Palma, Global News.
2: But first, might you soon be able to bring your own alcohol to some Vancouver parks and beaches?
1: Mm, Global's Paul Johnson is live in Vancouver with a proposal going before the park board tonight.
0: Paul, what's this all about? Chris, you know, if you're in Montreal in the summer and you and your family want to go to one of that city's parks or down to the riverfront, have a picnic and enjoy a beer or a bottle of wine, it's totally acceptable and it happens all the time. If you want to do the same thing here in Vancouver, though, on one of our great beaches, you're breaking the law. A lot of people these days are saying it's about time for Vancouver to update its policy about having alcohol on the beaches. And we're going to see the start of that tonight at the park board meeting. We talked to some people around the city and there's actually still quite a bit of division about this issue. You're going to hear from some of the people we spoke with and then the person on the park board who is floating this idea. Here's what they have to say.
10: I think that it's going to be abused a lot. People are going to get drunk rather than
3: just having a few beers on the beach.
2: I just think it's public beaches is for families and alcohol is not a good mix.
3: People bring it on beaches anyways, so I don't really think it would make much of
6: a difference.
7: It depends on people. If they are good and they, are, they know how to behave, it's going to be all right.
6: We have some of the best beaches
0: in the world, and some of the best parks, and uh, we're protective. So we want to make sure that if we do this, we do it in a very uh, conscious way uh, and make sure that the safety and the, the quietness uh, that everyone goes to park for is respected. So what you're going to see tonight actually is not going to be an up or down vote on whether to allow drinking on Vancouver beaches. They're actually going to be talking tonight about a feasibility study to have a pilot project to allow alcohol in some places. And if this was to happen, if any of it was to happen, it wouldn't be until about 2020. So if you're hoping for a Montreal or a European-style situation on our beaches, if that's going to happen, that's still going to be years out in the future. Chris? We do like our
1: studies, don't we, Paul? (laughs) All right. Thanks very much for that. certainly do. (laughs) Happening... Well, Canadian travellers, needlessly inconvenienced by airlines, are entitled to compensation. That's the point of some new regulations proposed today by the Canadian Transportation Agency.
2: John Hua has the details and why some critics say the new rules will fail to take off.
11: During the busiest travel season, catching a flight at Vancouver International Airport comes at a frantic pace.
12: Everybody's leaving town today. Let's go home. Yeah, it's very stressful.
11: A major understatement for Micah Malouf, where a single delay in his multi-connection flight Could be disastrous.
3: I personally have some pretty bad anxiety. So, like, I'll sit there and I'll start, like, you know, twitching and, like, not like I don't want to stay stay there.
11: But it's sometimes the airline's response that causes his blood pressure to soar.
3: It can be pretty um, frustrating when you spend a grand on a ticket.
11: Now, the Canadian government is unveiling a draft of its air passenger bill of rights, including set levels of compensation. All you want to do is get to your destination and you don't know why you're not getting on the airplane. Now, a delay of three to six hours means the big airlines would have to compensate a passenger about $400. More than nine hours, that jumps up to 1000 bucks. And if you're denied boarding for a commercial decision like overbooking, well, a passenger could be owed upwards of $2,400.
13: That actually should be implemented. Yes, that's really great.
4: Airline is really not doing anything more for passengers
11: other measures include maximum three-hour delays on a tarmac and up to twenty one hundred dollars for lost or damaged luggage but some passenger rights advocates say the bill doesn't go
14: far enough
6: they have nice numbers but the conditions for payment of
14: compensation are such that most passengers won't ever get any compensation. Others say how much
11: passengers get paid won't matter if there's no one to properly enforce it.
1: We need an ombudsman or an ombuds service and uh, that needs to be completely independent from the airlines. And until we get that, I don't think we'll get any satisfaction at all.
11: Those stuck in plane delay purgatory have another weight on their hands. The bill likely won't take off until next summer. Grounded by two more months of public consultation, and the time it needs to
1: pass through government. John Hua, Global News. Owners of some Ford vehicles are still waiting for some satisfaction.
2: Our consumer uh, consumer matters reporter Andrea is here with an update on a nationwide battle with the car maker. And
10: uh, good news here—it looks like we are getting closer to a settlement. Mm. Good, thanks to you good. too. Since December 2016, some Ford owners of certain Focus and Fiesta models have been waiting patiently for a class action to be settled in Canada over an alleged design defect in the dual clutch. We are told a settlement is on its way in Ontario, but it still has to be approved by a court. Meantime, owners of these vehicles are left frustrated, highlighting the need for greater consumer protection.
9: It's not
2: safe. Uh, I, I can't accelerate in front of cars. You know, They, they might hit you. Um, You never know if it can get its gear.
10: Just a few of the issues Amber D'Amico says she's experienced since she bought her 2014 Ford Focus. She purchased the vehicle in 2015, but says since then she's experienced nothing but problems.
2: It's shuddering. It's now recently within the last month or two starting to stall. Um, it won't accelerate up hills, loss of power, or trying to accelerate into traffic.
10: She's not alone. A national
2: class action lawsuit
10: has been launched against Ford Motor Company and Ford Motor Company of Canada. Ad issue the power shift dual clutch transmission in Ford Focus 2012 to 2016 models and Ford Fiesta 2011 to 2016 models. It's alleged a design defect in the dual clutch causes drivers of these vehicles to experience everything from difficulty stopping, jerking and delayed accelerations, allegedly putting drivers at risk of serious injury or death. In fact, Transport Canada says it has received over 1,800 complaints concerning the operation and performance of the dual-clutch transmission in Ford Fiesta and Focus passenger cars. It also says it is not aware of any injuries or collisions related to this issue.
1: We
14: are confident in our our position.
10: Stephen Roxborough is a lawyer for Merchant Law, one of at least two firms representing Canadians in the class action against Ford over the alleged
14: dual-clutch issue. A potential settlement uh, in the works, we haven't seen anything of that settlement yet um, and our, our, we're, we'll be continuing to, to pursue our class action simultaneously.
10: But it's the speed at which class actions move in general through the courts, according to Roxborough, that needs to change. Current consumer protection laws in BC, he says, fall short.
14: Access delayed is access denied. We need a procedure for these individuals' claims to be adjudicated in an effective and timely manner. And um, there, there needs to be changes, and I think those changes have to come from the legislature.
10: As for Amber, shortly after we interviewed her for this story, she says a dealership bought back her Ford Focus and replaced it with a different Ford model. Ford Canada would not comment on the story. The earliest that a court could approve the proposed settlement is on March 28, 2019. And once the settlement comes down and is approved by a court, affected consumers will have an opportunity to review the settlement and decide to participate in the class action or opt out if they don't approve of the compensation. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks very much, Ann.
2: Conservationists are calling for a halt to all logging in one of Vancouver Island's last old growth forests until the B.C. government releases the results of an investigation into timber practices.
1: The Ancient Forest Alliance spotted a giant 800-year-old Douglas fir being cut down in the Nement Valley. And as Linda, uh, Linda Ellsworth reports, they want to save the rest before it's too late.
15: On Vancouver Island, just west of Port Alberni, you'll find the spectacular Namint Valley.
12: It is absolutely special. It is home to some of the grandest forests on earth, with massive ancient trees that exceed 800 years of age. It was here
15: back in May that members of the Ancient Forest Alliance, a group that strives to protect
12: endangered forests, came across this tree. We were giddy with excitement when we saw it. I mean, it's not every day you come across the ninth widest Douglas fir tree in Canada. But when
15: they returned two weeks later, the 800-year-old fir had been felled by loggers, who had purchased the right to harvest here on Crown land by the BC government.
12: We became highly concerned that the BC uh, government, uh, its own logging agency, BC Timber Sales, was not adhering to the Vancouver Island land use plan and its own policy for the retention of big trees. The land-use plan calls for rare plant communities
15: here. That includes giant old trees to be protected.
12: We have less than 1% of those old-growth Douglas fir trees remaining. Um, that It's akin to slaughtering rhinos or, or tigers or elephants. It's simply not right. And
15: so in June, the Alliance filed a complaint with the Forest Ministry. Since then, the Ministry's investigation has wrapped up, but their findings were not made public. The logging continues.
12: We've gotten no response whatsoever from the ministry, in fact. Um, And we submitted a a Freedom of Information request uh, in September. We're still waiting for a response to that.
15: The ministry referred us to the Forest Practices Board, which launched its own investigation a few weeks ago. That investigation is ongoing. Logging in the Mint Valley
12: needs to stop immediately until the government can prove that the logging is compliant with the law.
15: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
7: Lots of sparks continue to come out from underneath the vehicle, and heavy smoke. Oh my God!
12: Sorry about that, guys. It looks like
2: the Yikes! A dramatic end, end to a police pursuit in Calgary this morning. The suspect vehicle, which had blown a tire, finally crashed, but didn't stop until police boxed it in. Global Sarah often has more.
5: They are going fast.
8: It looks like a movie scene, a pursuit stretching from Calgary to Chestermere and back. The
7: car's on fire or something.
8: He lost a wheel. Sparks flying on Highway 1 as the dangerous chase winds its way up into the northeast Calgary neighborhood of Pine Ridge.
7: Lots of sparks continue to come out from underneath the vehicle and heavy smoke. Oh my God. Sorry about that, guys. It looks like the vehicle just crashed. Here we go. It looks like crews... Have they able to stop it? No, it's just keep going here. Yeah, he is, oh my goodness. Okay, it looks like the vehicle has now stopped. They were able to surround it.
8: By 8 o'clock Monday morning, police surround the vehicle, ending what they say is a rare pursuit. Police are releasing few details about what prompted this massive response. But they say that the chase started here in the community of Abbeydale. Officers were called here responding to an assault involving mace. When they arrived, the vehicle took
14: off. Everybody calls this, say this is Pine Ridge and I call it Crime Ridge because that's what's happening around here.
8: Others say it's a symptom of a growing city.
14: The things
16: are really, really deteriorating in this city.
8: Police continue to investigate with a long list of charges expected against the driver, who is a teenager, just 16 years old. Sarah Offen, Global News.
1: CBS has announced former CEO Les Moonves will not receive his $120 million severance package. Moonves was fired in September after multiple allegations from women who said he subjected them to mistreatment, including forced sex and groping and threatened retaliation if they resisted. CBS has now determined that Moonves failed to fully cooperate with an investigation into those allegations and has taken away the severance. A lawyer for Moonves rejects the decision as baseless but won't say whether the former CEO will formally challenge it.
2: The province's RCMP boss is reflecting on a very challenging year for Mounties in 2018.
1: Deputy Commissioner Brenda Butterworth-Carr is tackling where women fit in on the force and the future of policing in Surrey. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, Butterworth-Carr admits more changes are coming.
9: In an unusual move, the RCMP's leadership team in B.C. offers to sit down for an interview. Deputy Commissioner Brenda Butterworth Carr, in charge of the province's nearly 7,000 officers. Why did you choose to uh, invite us here today?
13: Well, really, it was an opportunity for us to talk about the highlights of the 2018, to really look at you know, the operational successes, the complexity of the operations that we respond to, the innovation within our technology.
9: Butterworth Carr says technological advances are among their accomplishments. The Mounties have also faced major challenges this year. An inquest into the suicide of Sergeant Pierre Lemaître found he was traumatized after being forced to lie about the tasering death of Robert Jakansky. Do you think, though, that Pierre Lemaître was betrayed by the RCMP? I'm not in a position to respond to that. That inquest raised questions about the lack of mental health assessments and assistance for employees.
13: I think that there's certainly room, as I was mentioning, where we're going to continue to improve. I think that's an area where we really need to invest in and continue investing in.
6: There is a lot of challenges that the RCMP is facing, um, you know, operationally, administratively, internally uh, perhaps. But, you know, we, all three of us travel the province um, on a regular basis and we're in town halls, we're in detachments, we're talking to our members a lot. And we see a lot of positivity out there.
9: The team clearly aware that a progressive culture is necessary.
6: If people feel like they're respected in the workplace, if they feel like they've got meaningful work and they can contribute and they're listened to, then that will increase morale.
9: Morale undoubtedly impacted by harassment within the force. More than 3,000 women have made claims against the Mounties as part of a class action lawsuit. Have you ever experienced it in your career, harassment?
13: I've certainly worked with uh, challenging um, individuals um, earlier on in my career. Um, you know, and I can't speak to the reasons, you know, they behaved the way they did, uh, but I can tell you that, you know, through the course of my career, I've always been very, um, you know, um, willing to stand up and convey, you know, challenges or things that, that needed improvement and continue to provide that environment.
9: Perhaps the biggest unresolved issue for the RCMP in B.C. is Surrey's decision to move to a municipal police force. Do you think
13: there's any chance at all that you could end up staying in Surrey? I don't know. That's, a, that's a, certainly a decision that's going to be made by our political entities, the province and the federal government. So you're not lobbying to try to stay in Surrey? So right now we're delivering an exceptional service and we're going to continue to do that until we're not there.
9: According to BC's Top Cop, more change is coming for the RCMP. Notably, they're working to improve communication with a goal to making the policing agency
13: more transparent. You know, certainly being a lot more tenacious within the social media environment as well. And then really equipping people with the ability to get out in front of um, news stories and be proactive and take um, you know opportunities when they present themselves. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: In Health Matters tonight, the farm linked to the romaine lettuce E. coli outbreak is recalling even more produce. Red and green leaf lettuce and certain cauliflower from California-based Adam Brothers Family Farms is all being recalled due to possible E. coli contamination. The affected items were sold across Canada, including possibly in B.C., The recall was triggered by another U.S. recall, which resulted from a probe into the E. coli outbreak associated with eating romaine lettuce. Not one, but two passenger jets battling high winds as they try to land in England. The heroic effort by pilots right after our own very windy forecast.
2: Yes, and speaking of that wind, we're starting to see the effects of it, Christy.
7: That's right. Just in the last fifteen minutes, gusts now in the Tawasin region up to eighty kilometers an hour. Saturna Island at ninety-one, and we will continue to see them pick up over the next hour. And I think the likelihood of it being the strongest will be between about seven p.m. and nine p.m. tonight. Uh, so meanwhile, across the north, this is the second day in the row that they've had hurricane force strength winds. Uh, so look at this: one hundred twenty-two Cape St. James, uh, Haida Gwaii, getting nailed, and I've got some great photos for you coming up in a second from that area. But in general, all of these areas under the wind warning, uh, we will see gusts 60 to 70 kilometers an hour, and that includes the lower mainland, all of Metro Vancouver, and the West Fraser Valley region. But although we'll see the gusts likely up to 70, there will be some key areas. As I mentioned, the coastal and southern regions of the lower mainland potentially gusts up to 90, and we're already just starting to see that in a few key areas. And these are southerly winds that's one of the reasons why these southern areas get hit hardest but to wasson white rock those areas likely getting gusts uh up to 80 or more uh, kilometers an hour again that's through the evening hours we also have a rainfall warning it's for the house sound region and then out in the east fraser valley towards hope you can see a couple of bullseyes there with uh, significant amounts 50 to 60 millimeters expected by the end of the day tomorrow. Northern regions, we'll see stormy conditions again tomorrow. Inland regions, a bit of a break tomorrow. You can see some sunshine in through the interior regions, just a chance of showers. Majority of the rain through the Columbia's and the Kootenai regions, and tomorrow for the south coast. So the stormiest conditions this evening, things ease off overnight. Tomorrow, mild conditions at 10 degrees, and we'll see a few scattered showers two days of showers and then i want to point out thursday that's the next day that we'll be watching for stormy conditions and that one could be a strong one so keep tuning back in and we'll keep you up to date on that one here are the photos that i wanted to show you look at this because of the incredible uh, uh windstorm that they had just off haida Gwaii, it blew up a whole bunch of sea foam and this is mary helmer's grandson isaiah playing in that sea foam you can see it just covered the beaches
1: oh, wow snow almost It's the only way we're going to get a white Christmas based on that five day forecast. Okay. Thanks, Christy. Thank you. Some frightening moments for passengers on two big jets in the UK. Both
2: jets fought gale force winds as they tried to land in Manchester. The flights from Tap Air Portugal and Australian Airlines descending down to the runway, but then, as you see, they had to break off their landings and go around. A storm pounded the Manchester area with freezing rain and winds of up to 80 kilometers an hour. Both jets did manage to land on their second approach
1: passenger is a little shaky i'm certain (laughs) after that
2: imagine the pilots
1: yeah the pilots too they keep calm uh okay squire's here bad flyer i don't like
16: to see those things (laughs) coming in a little little rocky coming in it's like let's just go somewhere else please forget this place you can stay right here uh that's what i usually do Swoo. Really? Well Already? Is the bandwagon getting? It full, might be. It's, it's getting saying?
1: full again. <laughs> okay, so up here. Dial it
16: down a little bit. Things are better. <laughs> up the brakes? Yes. Let's it. yes, all just. Uh, there's a whole bunch of fans out there thinking, okay, this is nice, but let's not win too much. We need draft picks. Uh, mm. In recent games, the Canucks have found their reserve parachute to slow down that fall from higher up the standings. What has changed? Well, Brock Besser is healthy again. And that gives the Canucks another scoring weapon alongside Elias Pettersson. And we have to give a shout-out to Bo Horvat as well, the captain-in-waiting. That guy has done it all for the Canucks this year. But one of the big reasons for all the recent wins is goaltending. Jacob Markstrom, five straight victories.
0: The screen will turn right back to Jacob Markstrom.
16: Yeah, well, the smelling salts help. And he's throwing body checks, too. And he had an assist last night against Edmonton. And he's making all the saves. He has been getting some good goal-scoring support in his five-game streak, over four goals a game, but his save percentage is 937 in December. That's huge. In November, his save percentage was 887. You can't be below 900, so he's been great for them lately. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers lost to the Canucks on Saturday, I guess was the final straw, because today they fired head coach Dave Haxtall, replaced him with Scott Gordon on an interim basis. That is now... Five coaches fired this season, and we're just into December. The longest-serving coach right now in the NHL is Tampa's John Cooper, who is here with the Lightning for a game tomorrow, and he's only been with Tampa Bay since 2013. So it's a dangerous job. Uh, We are just over a week away from the World Junior Hockey Tournament in Vancouver and Victoria. Tickets have sold quickly. Expect huge crowds, just like the first time we hosted in 2005 and 2006. Organizers... They couldn't be happier with the build-up to this year's event.
14: What excites you about having this in the city? Well, I mean, it's just such a magical tournament. Uh, You know, I try to watch it every year if I can. It's a big part of the holidays. And then to have it right here in Vancouver and Victoria is, uh, is great. And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. So I'm really looking forward to it. This time of the year, it's a given. Watching Canada go for gold at the World Juniors and overeating during the holiday season. Come Boxing Day, it seems everybody has an appetite for hockey and the World Junior Tournament serves it up like
1: no other. The, the buzz in the city, the, the you know, the pretty well, it's completely sold out. Being, being able to have it back here again and, and uh, the, remembering how great of an event it was the last go-around and, and um, hoping that we can have the same kind of an ending that we had last time.
14: Watching Canada win on home ice never gets old. This was the scene 13 years ago in Vancouver when Canada won back-to-back golds. The same can also be said for seeing some of the world's top young prospects up close. And for Canuck fans, all focus will be on Quinn and Jack Hughes. Here comes Jack Hughes, wise of the fire, scores!
1: Uh, there's a number of games on the island, there's a number of games throughout the interior. Um, you know, we have uh, two big games in Langley with uh, Finland playing Denmark on Wednesday with Kako, who's the second rated player in the draft, and then, then the big game on Saturday with Team USA with uh, the Hughes brothers that, uh, you know, one's a Canuck and uh, the other one would like to be a Canuck. And, uh, but uh, it's the only USA game here until the medal round, so it, it, there's lots of opportunity for people to see that even if they haven't gotten tickets yet.
14: The Team Canada logo could also be a dollar symbol because hosting this tournament translates into big bucks <laughs> for Hockey Canada and the host city. The great thing is it's money coming from outside of the city into the city, so that's a huge thing for us. Uh, $80 million last time around, hoping to exceed it this time. Uh, but plus it's for something people really enjoy, so that is like a win-win situation, and uh, it couldn't be happier to... We want more of those types of events here in the city. The World Junior Hockey Championship kicks off on Boxing Day. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Okay, too many
16: penalties was the main reason the Seahawks lost to San Francisco in overtime yesterday, but it might not have gone to overtime had kicker Sebastian Janikowski made a convert on Seattle's first touchdown and tried harder to make a tackle on Richie James's kick return touchdown which came right after Janikowski missed that extra point.
6: Four-yard line and a big return for James, he has Janikowski to beat.
16: Beating Janikowski, that was easy because the Seahawks kicker was more interested in the safety of the sidelines than even attempting a tackle. Now, being the last line of defense is a nightmare scenario for most kickers, but Janikowski isn't like your normal kicker. He's 260 pounds. That's 75 pounds heavier than the guy he didn't want to touch.
6: You know, the first thing that the kicker has to do is get the guy to turn back into the field he got that done but you know just anything we will we, we'll take anything because it wound up being a touchdown we could do more and so he feels bad about that
16: <laughs> I'm sure he does yeah. the uh, MLS is changing its uh, playoff system so they don't have to have the championship final in December when pretty much everyone is watching other sports and forgotten about it having the MLS final in early December is kind of like having your office Christmas party in March Instead of a home-and-home home series, all playoffs will now be one game, hosted by the team with the most points in the regular season. So next year's final will be November 10th. This year's was December 8th. One other change, the highest team in each conference will get a first-round bye, and that means seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs instead of six. Uh, Champions League knockout round matchups. These are home-and-home home series, a total goal series. Manchester City gets 0 04. Manchester United gets a tough draw. Tottenham against Dortmund. Bayern Munich, maybe. Maybe Mm -hmm. Alphonso Davies might be in one of those games. Um, Madrid and Juventus, Porto, Roma, Ajax, and Real Madrid and Barcelona and Lyon. There you go. Here's today's snow report. Whistler Blackcomb, 20 centimeters of new snow, a base of 195. Grouse, a base of 111. 120 Cypress. Sasquatch opening date still to be determined. Revelstoke, a base of 159 centimeters, 125 Fernie. Manning Park at 90 and Whitewater, 144. Big White, a base of 109. 130 at Silver Star, 110 Sun Peaks. Also lots of fresh snow has fallen there over the weekend. Kicking horse, a base of 127, Mount Washington, 77, and Powder King, 145 centimeters.
2: A Halifax photographer who captured an iconic winter scene in one of the most popular Canadian photos of the year is now paying it forward.
1: As Alexa McLean reports, he's using that picture to help feed others during the holidays.
5: It's a photo that's warmed the hearts of Canadians across the country, and for good reason. It doesn't surprise me at all. It's an iconic photograph. It contains all sorts of elements like hockey in Canada and what it is to be Nova Scotian and Peggy's Cove. It's a beautiful shot. Peggy's Cove has always been quintessential Canadian but add a little hockey into the mix and the fanfare has gone to another level.
16: I kind of had an idea it would be an appealing photo for people out here on the east coast but just not the the level it's reached no no idea.
5: But then dozens of people in Dartmouth showed up to purchase the print. The money would go to the provincial food bank hub Feed Nova Scotia. It's, it's certainly the
16: season for it but it, it's just really nice feeling to be able to give back a bit.
5: Well, people love to support Feed Nova Scotia. It's a wonderful cause, feeding Nova Scotians across the province. Roughly 150 prints were up for grabs at $20 a piece. The flash sale saw all funds going towards the provincial food bank. But it's the emotional impact this photo has had that's really taken photographer Adam Cornick by surprise.
16: Some of the responses I've had, I've, I have even had a, a gentleman get in touch telling me that he uh, He's been at his father's uh, bedside. He's very sick, and he's been showing him this uh, image, you know, to keep his spirits up. And, and so, you know, to get a response like that uh, from a stranger, someone who I've never met before, and, and uh, it stirs something inside him like that, it, you realize it's a powerful medium.
5: A powerful image, helping to not only feed people's bodies and soul, but creating a lasting legacy of what it means to be Canadian. Alexa McLean, Global News, Dartmouth.
16: That's a great photo. That's so good. I just noticed something. Mm-hmm. What's up? Look in the screen. Is there something wrong?
1: With us, with us right now?
2: Oh, you're the tallest person? Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's just notice that. That's very awful. unusual. Very. Also, very hopeful,
16: you're... but very unusual. I've had that dream,
1: actually. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty good up here, I've got to admit. Uh, Wendy.
7: Yeah, so uh, gusts still, coastal regions, southern regions of the Lower Mainland, potentially up to 90, likely between about 70, 75 kilometres an hour. But nonetheless, uh, power outage potential all across the region. Tomorrow, much lighter, just a few showers and 10 degrees. Not so bad.
1: You thought you didn't need the tether string on your blow-up reindeer, but you do.
2: (laughs) Oh, look at the wind there. Quickly, Chris.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm going.
2: Have a good evening, everyone.